Good morning. This is the Hermit of Loch Ear. Today is June 22nd, 2022. It's a beautiful morning. Uh, summer has been very slow to arrive here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I Last time I started this discussion on science versus religion, and uh, I, I ad-lib these, which you can probably tell, uh, I, it's not like I don't put thought into it. I think about this day and night, and I have for almost 30 years, or actually 30 years. And I usually just sit down and just speak my mind. But this topic, as I mentioned last time, when I started to think about doing a podcast about it, I thought it would be very simple. And probably next time, and I might even go to a fourth part, it will be simple. It will deal with some very basic conflicts between science and religion and talk about them in a very granular, personal level. But to get there, I really had to go through um, a lot of philosophical considerations of looking at the, the root cause of this conflict. And the last time I went back and listened to the talk, I don't normally do that. And I felt like, well, uh, it wasn't so uh, tidy. And actually today I've, I've even written down a few notes to help direct me. Uh, but the whole purpose of last time was trying to establish the underlying issue is not faith versus science or even reason versus faith. It's, a, it's really in the area of epistemology of how we collect knowledge. Epistemology is just the philosophical concerns of learning, of gaining knowledge, of finding truth. And this discussion happened at least in the West and uh, as far back as Socrates um, and probably in the East in different ways. but the, the underlying issue I was trying to establish, it's really about evidence. And I describe, and at just as an illustration in medicine, where I spent my career, there's so-called natural medicine and there's evidence-based medicine. And when we arrived at the name evidence-based medicine, I think it was a very good name for us because that's what separated this out. There, there's a, <coughs> excuse me, a cliche um, in uh, so-called evidence-based medicine that what do you call a natural supplement that actually works? And we say we call it evidence-based medicine because if it works, then it, it, it's not, it has nothing to do with whether it comes from a plant or comes from a lab. It has to do with uh, if there evidence that it works and that it's safe. Uh, and I, the comment I also pointed out that unfortunately, now I'm, I'm not calling, you know, natural medicine, bad guys, evidence-based medicine, all good guys, you know, that's not the point I'm trying to make. But in the natural medicine world, there's been a tendency to create uh, conspiracy theories about evidence-based medicine, that big pharma is trying to make you sick, that they're paying off the FDA, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, that's that's the default position when you don't have evidence is to create a a false narrative uh, uh, in place of evidence. So... I, I'm, I've been thinking about what direction to go today to help uh, bring these, these these pieces together. And uh, like I said, next time I'm going to really get into the science part. Uh, but one issue I want to deal with, and it, it was brought to my attention again last night, I watched the movie Contact, which I'd seen years ago uh, with Jodie Foster and several other pretty big stars. And there became this conflict in the movie between science um, and faith. Um, 
And I, I sort of these overtones, and it's a very common, very popular one, that the way people decrease the tension of this conflict is by saying that religion deals with a different realm than science, and science deals with a different realm than religion. I've heard atheistic science people say that, and I've heard plenty of religious people say that, uh, that science, uh, well now, the, what I hear is science is of the devil, uh, and that was a new concept that I've heard recently. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure it's been used throughout history, but it just sort of uh, <laughs> was bewildering to me. But the real issue for me, and when I started my journey in 1990, is to pursue truth. And I don't mean truth of a particular agenda. I think agendas destroy truth because you don't look at evidence anymore. You look at uh, compliance to your social agenda, your social group's agenda. But in 1990, I said, I just want to pursue truth. I don't care where it leads me, just as long as it's true. And, and on a very personal, being a candid, uh, uh, and then on a big level, philosophical level, of just trying to find truth. Now, I will also uh, make it clear, I do not believe that reason and the search for truth uh, is perfect. Uh, we have conflicts. Uh, uh, our reason can only go so far. It's not, and, and again, it's not perfect. But I want to give an illustration to point out what I'm trying to say here, that religion and science have to agree about reality or one of them's wrong. Uh, because reality is that just simply that reality. Uh, and if something is inconsistent with reality, it's not a step towards God. It's a step away from God. Because I said over and over that if God exists, God exists in reality. The better we're immersed in reality, the better we can know God. And I've spent in my 30 years in evangelicalism, I found myself like Alice behind the looking glass in a world that was detached from reality. And I'll, I'll get into that more later if you don't know what I'm talking about. So to illustrate this, I've used this illustration before in writing. Uh, I don't know if I've done it in a podcast. But imagine now that I, I'm talking mostly about why evangelicals. Uh, law talks, I'll try to spread it out and talk about atheism and the Buddhist perspective. But I really don't have time. This is a very complex topic anyway. But say that for the white evangelical they they claim i claimed when i was one and i think it's entirely false that we were quote biblical but as a sidebar every religious group on the planet and you can break down even christianity probably i counted one time i think 130 um entities uh or what we call denominations of churches each one uh looks at the bible different than the other one. But they each claim only they have the uh, perfect understanding of the Bible. Only they are biblical. And so that's a concept that it's false. Uh, this idea that we, a certain group is biblical and everyone outside that group is not biblical. Uh, and it all comes down with how you look at the Bible. But so in this situation, um, say that you're in a group, I'll just say the white evangelical group, and you believe that every you be that believe the Bible is infallible. Uh, we'll, I might talk about that later. You look at the Bible as literal, every word literal in the Bible, 
uh, and then there's a say that this is not true, but say there's a passage in the Bible, maybe in Psalms or somewhere it says, as we all know, the sky is always red. So R-E-D, red. Uh, so you look at that word and you go back to the, uh, I think I know the Arabic word, uh, but I don't know the Hebrew word uh, for red. <clears throat> but you go back and you look in the Hebrew word, it's a word for the color red. And then you look at the sky in reality. Now, it's, it's, I was having this discussion with uh, my son, who's very smart, and he likes to play the devil's advocate. And he said, well, to some people, they could be colorblind and they could see the sky as red. And I said, well, we just, you know, those, let's get away from the frivolous <laughs> arguments. But science can measure the color of the sky and uh, on the spectrum. And they can come up with a, a very precise number. I was going to look it up. I mean, you know, it can vary from, uh, you know, depends on where the sun is and if there's a thin layer of clouds and those things. But it's blue. Uh, it's almost always blue. It can have a red tw twinge uh, at evening or other times, or say there's a lot of rusty dust that's been blown high in the atmosphere. But say this Bible verse says the sky is always red. And then the scientists who try to base on evidence come and look at it and say no it's blue so then there becomes a conflict so uh i'm trying to think how much time i have left here to dive into this but in science they try to be objective uh they started uh, with the greeks but after the dark ages where science was uh, really oppressed by the church in the west for political reasons, and that I'll get into when I talk about the specifics. Uh, after the awakening uh, and the age of reason, science worked very, very hard to try to make science objective. And they came up with a scientific method of measuring. Um, Isaac Newton is one of my favorite Christians because uh, he was right in the middle of this time period. And he, he said he loved God by loving science and by exploring the cosmos uh, because God created it and it's uh, part of reality. So they try to be very, very objective and they found that in, in the scientific method, you can't, it's experimental, uh, you know, looking at the sky, well, you can, that can be experimental, but in other things like drug studies, you have to remove bias. Now, unfortunately, religion is the opposite they enforce bias and demand bias before looking at the evidence. So in this case of the sky problem, uh, you say, okay, our tenant, our underlying tenant is the Bible is always correct. And the Bible is always literal. Therefore, what we call blue is really red. And so the linguistic people will look at the Hebrew word or say, yeah, the Hebrew word, say I said Psalms. Um, and study what the meaning was to the Hebrews, and they meant the color red, the same word that we use in English, R-E-D. And then they say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, there's not a linguistic problem. Uh, it has to be a problem of interpretation because you look at reality and the sky is blue. So then on the religious side, they say, it, they turn it into a moral issue. Oh, you don't really love God, do you? Oh, you don't really believe the Bible, do you? Because the Bible says the sky is red, therefore we believe the sky is red. 
And on the science side said, no, wait a minute. We can measure it. We can look at it. Look up out your window. It's blue. Well, it's because you're, and this is the kind of arguments. Uh, it's because you're a, a friend of the devil. And, you know, it becomes this really bizarre uh, morality problem, a problem of spirituality. And, and the, the problem has to come down that if you put the Bible up against reality and there's inconsistencies, you have to start questioning, not the, you know, they, they claim that I don't believe the Bible if I dare question it. No, I question the narrative of their subculture, which says you can never question your first interpretation of the Bible. So <laughs> you go back and you say, okay, something's not right here. The psalmist did not mean red as in the color they couldn't have oh you might then some people say well back in those days the sky was always red and then you go look at other texts either maybe even from this bible or from other sources that were written at the same time say in the bronze age and people describe this blue sky always being blue so they know it wasn't you know like there's some big transition in the earth where the sky went from being red to blue but it's a linguistic uh, issue of just, you know, like a, a, in poetry, in writing, you use descriptors that, that, that aren't real, but they magnify, or in, I don't know, in this case, this made up verse in Psalms, why they were calling the sky red. But that's the issue that we run into. Now, I'm going to uh, pause here for a moment. I'm trying to think what direction to go to in my remaining time. I want to talk a little bit about how I... Uh, my uh, impetus for doing this uh, podcast um, and it has to do and all my podcasts come from something that happens in real life but I had a discussion with probably six uh, old evangelical friends now I was trying to live in that world up until probably 2005 something like that and definitely from time I was born to time to 1990 which is roughly 30 years, um, that right, I'm not doing the math right, that I'd lived in that world. So I have family and, and friends who are deeply still involved with the white evangelical movement. And I lost a lot of friends and I didn't want to lose these friends. And they see me as some crazy person because I don't, I don't follow the narrative of the white evangelical subculture. Uh, I don't talk about Jesus all the time. I did. I did. Every, you know, every word out of my mouth. And, but I realized, and it's back to this thing of dishonesty, that the reason I did that was because I wanted to look spiritual. That was very important to us, to look spiritual. Uh, and it didn't matter what was going on in our private life. Now, I said I was going to talk about this later. I'm going to throw out one example of coming out of that mentality and then get back to what I was talking about. Uh, I remember going to a big evangelical church. This was in the early 90s, when I was right in this transition period, when I decided I want to be honest. I want to be candid. One morning, Denise and I had a disagreement. over. I'm sure it's over the kids, what they were wearing or something for church. I hated to get to church late. Uh, it wasn't that important to her whether we were late or not. Uh, to her, you know, it's more important that, you know, some other issue about the kids, you know, you can argue who's right and who's wrong. But anyways, one of those mornings I were arguing because we we're late for church once again. And I was always like a deacon or elder or something like that. And uh, we get to church 10 minutes late and uh, someone said, oh, it must have been traffic. And I said, 
No, uh, Denise and I were having an argument at the house, and that what's, that's what got us late. And it was weeks and weeks later, it never crossed my mind that that person approached me and said, are you and Denise still have marital trouble? Marital trouble? Just because we had a discussion, an argument? And, but in that world, you would never tell someone that you're having an argument with your wife because that was part of the facade that we had to maintain. So anyway, in this, in this discussion with my old evangelical friends, I digress there for a moment. Uh, I started hearing a theme over and over. Now, some of these are going to sound political. I am not political. It's all about truth. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I spent uh, most of my life as a Republican in a William F. Buckley School of Conservatism. He's an intellectual, a kind man, maybe pompous, but uh, that was the kind of uh, conservatism I followed. Now, I don't adhere to any political group because I've seen what's happened. And to make you believe this, I'm not a big fan of Joe Biden. I'm certainly not a fan of the Clintons. Uh, but I find Donald Trump to be the one, one of the most disgusting human beings ever to work, walk on the face of America's soil. And that's another discussion. But it's not political. And all my evangelical friends say I'm political. I'm a libtard. They call me all the time. Well, I had this conversation, and here's what I heard. Now, in the area of reality, you can have evidence-based people who come up with different perspectives and, and, and disagreement. But I'm talking about things that are slam dunks of which there is compelling evidence beyond a doubt. Yet, the evangelicals don't believe it. Number one, COVID was made up by the Democrats to get Donald Trump uh, defeated. It's all fake. Masks are all fake. Masks don't work. Vaccines are very dangerous. Uh, they've killed thousands and thousands of Americans through the vaccine. All six of the evangelicals told me that. Same story, almost like out of a par parrot's mouth, been repeated. Uh, therefore, none of them are vaccinated. Uh, some of them have suffered terrible uh, COVID uh, disease. And speaking of COVID, Black Lives Matter uh, was a communist plot to overthrow the government. Uh, George Floyd uh, died from COVID. And I said to the same person who just said COVID wasn't real, and he said, no, George Floyd died from COVID, and they accused the police officer of killing him. Okay, all those things are lies. Uh, I'm going to continue on. Uh, global warming is not real. It's, it, the earth is actually cooling down. Uh, but it's the liberals who want to sabotage uh, the oil companies and turn us into a communist country. All lies, all lies. Um, I'm going to go on. <clears throat> Donald Trump won the election in 2020. Um, and actually, every one of these friends of mine, this, and these people all have, a lot of them have graduate degrees. Uh, one has a PhD. Uh, Donald Trump uh, not only won an election, but Democrats have cheated in every election they've won in the last hundred years. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, God wants every human being to have a gun. I heard that. Um, <laughs> I, my time is running out. But when I had this conversation, then one more thing I'll mention, and I was going to go through a long list. I might pick up on this next time. One of the people I uh, have spoken to uh, had written a book about, uh, uh, I would just say about evolution, the sin of evolution. I read the book too. And it was along the same line of moral, you know, are you going to stand with God and, and be against an old earth? Anyway, I'm going to have to end at this point. Thank you for listening. There's going to be at least a part three, and I wonder if there's not a part four. Have a good day.